0: A copy of the Word of God as has already been read uh, in Psalm chapter 8 or Psalm 8. And I'm going to read verse 5, and that's going to be our central passage for today. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory. Exceptional transcendent honor. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Exceptional, transcendent honor. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We are so grateful that you hear us when we pray. Oh God, we know that you're con- you're still yet sitting on your throne and you are the sovereign of the universe and Lord, your will is going to be accomplished. You said many are the thoughts that are in the hearts of men, but the purposes of God will be accomplished. And so God, we Surrender humbly to what you are yet doing. God, may we be instruments in your hand. Oh, may you find us well-pleasing. God, we pray that you would give us a word in season, that we might be a blessing to those who need to hear a word from God. We bless you and we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. As children, we had, and I had, to learn nursery rhymes. Uh, If you were like me, I gave little thought to the rhymes that we were required to recite. One of the nursery rhymes that was very popular some time ago uh, that captures the current state of affairs of many men in the world today is the Jack and Jill rhyme. Listen to how it goes. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. Up Jack got and home did he trot as fast as he could caper, went to bed to mend his head with vinegar and brown paper. Now, notice how the poem, in reflection, unfolds. Jack and Jill were walking together with a singular purpose. They went up the hill to fetch fetch a pail of water. But as they are making their way, Jack falls down. And notice the sequence. When Jack falls down, he breaks his crown, and right behind Jack comes Jill, tumbling down the hill. I want you to know that men and women are the primary pillars of the family, of the home. And when a man falls down, it won't be long before his help comes tumbling down after him. And when a husband and a wife tumbles and falls, we should not be surprised that the children, too, will find themselves broken, and on the ground. And as the family goes, so goes society and the community at large. Now what we need to really zero in on is that Jack not only fell, and obviously as we go through the rhyme, he injured himself. But in his fall, he broke his crown. He broke his crown. And I find it interesting that there's no mention that Jack tried to repair the crown on his own or even to locate the crown. But we, we, we watch Jack according to the rhyme. The, script, the, the, the rhyme says that Jack got up and he ran home to mend his head And he used vinegar and brown paper to fix his ailing head. Now, to understand what Jack was up to is not going to give us the answer that was really the problem after Jack fell down and broke his crown. The real question that we need to ask is, why would Jack put paper and put, 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 uh, try to mend his head with vinegar and brown paper. I want you to understand that if you got a headache, don't use no paper and vinegar. They won't do you any good. But what I'm suggesting to you from this rhyme is that when a man's crown is broken, he will try just about anything to replace it or to restore it. And like Jack who fell down and broke his crown, God placed a man named Adam in the Garden of Eden. And like Jack, Adam, as we saw in, in Psalm chapter 5, the Lord said, I have crowned the man with glory and honor. But when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden and and sinned against God, I want you to know that that pristine crown of resplendency, it was broken. And ever since that separation occurred in the garden, for God said to Adam, the moment that you eat of the tree of the knowledge in the midst of the garden of good and evil, On that very day, in that very second, that very moment, you will die. Adam died. I want you to know that man's crown has been broken. And we have tried since the fall to put paper, (laughs) vinegar, drugs, women, education, Anger, whatever we think will give us temporary relief. But what we're going to discover today that sisters and brothers, God has provided a way for us to help the brothers today, the fathers today, the men today, to fix their bro- broken crown. I'm going to ask you the question today and, and ask a, 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 a favor of you. Help a man. Fix his broken crown. Help a man fix his crown. Again, in Psalm 8, verse 5, the poet David penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Now, the first question as we try to understand how we're going to help brothers, fix their crown is why is a man's crown that God said I have given to him so essential in ancient times a crown symbolized royalty if you saw somebody with a crown that meant that they were important they were significant a crown on a man's head in this context, meant that he was somebody. And so the symbol of the crown was one of royalty. It also represented authority that was divinely ordained. It meant that the person who had the crown on their head was ruling under God by his divine permission in the context of a monarch. And so it represented royalty But it also symbolized authority. A crown represented responsibility, accountability to God to execute one's duty. And so if you were wearing a crown, you had royalty. If you were wearing a crown, you had authority that was ordained by God. If you had a crown on, you had responsibility to execute your God-given assignment. It also represented superiority in rank. Uh, uh, God said, I made you, man, a little higher than the angels. And so what God is saying, in comparison to all that he had created, man, every other creation other than mankind, man was the, the crown jewel. Mankind is the crown jewel of God's creation. And so we are superior in rank. And so the crown symbolized superiority. And here's a final thing that it it also represented. It represented not only in my royalty and I got authority and responsibility and superiority in rank in relation to other creation other than mankind, but it also meant capability. For with the crown, God gave an anointing. God gave an ability. God gave an unction. God gave a gift and a talent to pull off the assignment. And so when a man's crown is broken, oh God, his significance is damaged. When a man's crown is broken, his ordained authority is now challenged. When a man's crown is broken, his responsibility will be confused and it'll be nebulous. When a man's crown is broken, He's not going to act like he's superior to God's other creation. He's going to act inferior, or he will be guilty of abusing that which God has assigned man to care for. You will not operate in the capability. And so, help a brother. Help a man. Whenever you see one, you, you, you need to be checking out how he's wearing his crown. You need to be checking out if if he's conducting himself as if he is a part of the, Jesus said you are a royal priesthood, those who are a part of the body of Christ. You need to be checking out how a man's crown is is fitting on on, on his head. Is Is he wearing it properly or is it still broken? Now how can you help a man fix his crown? let me give you four ways that you can help a brother get his situation fixed. The first thing that we can do is to direct a man to God. In verse, five, verse 4 it says, You have made them. You have made them. And so if you want to help a man get his crown right, Direct them to God. If you want to understand how a product works and and if something is broken, how to get it fixed, what you need to do is take the product To the manufacturer, you need to look at the instructions that have been provided by the manufacturer. The scripture says that God has made man. We know that God fashioned man from the dust of the earth, and and, and He and He fashioned him. And the scripture says, and after He had made. Adam, from the dust of the earth, he breathed into his nostrils and the man became a living nephesh, became a living soul. And so the manufacture of mankind, the manufacture of the brothers whose crown is broken is none other than God. We need to direct men back to God. God made man. But God also provides a way for man's crown to be fixed through his son, Jesus Christ. I hear the word of God saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, where it says, But the message of the cross to us who are being saved is the power of God unto salvation. But unto those who are perishing, it is foolishness. And so the message of the cross... <laughs> The message of Jesus dying and and, and being placed in the grave and on the third day, rising from the grave, triumphant over death, triumphant over life. This Jesus who ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for us. The scripture makes it very clear that if we proclaim the message of the cross, men whose crown is broken will find themselves in a relationship with God that places them in the family of God. Men, has, men have a mental, we men have a mental problem caused by sin. And that's why the Bible also adds in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, says, but even if our gospel be hidden, it is veiled to those whose minds the God of this world has blinded lest they receive the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which, who is the image of God. And so mankind needs to hear the good news concerning Jesus. But because of blindness, we have, to, we have to use the word. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. God uses the word and the power of the word to remove the blindness. And so direct the man to God. God has provided a way. God also specializes in fixing broken things. That's why you want to direct them to God. Oh, when you get a chance, read Jeremiah chapter 18. In the Bible, uh, God tells Jeremiah the prophet, he said, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And so Jeremiah obeys the Lord. He goes down to the potter's house, and he's just observing the work of the potter. And he notices that the that the that the that the pottery that the that the potter is is fixing it and making it's marred. It, it, it's, it's damaged, it's disfigured and, 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 and it's not supposed to be damaged and marred and disfigured. It's not supposed to be broken when he's making it. And so the scripture says, what the potter did, he just decided to make another pot. And then God says to the prophet. Can I do what the potter did? Can I take what is broken? Can I take what is dysfunctional? Can I take what is hurting? Can I take what has fallen down, what has lost its way? Can I, as a supernatural potter, take that which is old and make it new? Direct the man to God. And that is how you help him fix his crown. I read uh, an interesting little story some time ago. There's a a, a woman who she came frantically to a watchmaker's shop and she had the hands of her clock and she, she came and she was frantic and she, had, she held the two hands of the clock in front of the watchmaker and she said, you must fix my clock. You must fix my clock. I need it and, and, and I've got to have it in three days. Here, fix my clock. And she slammed the, the two hands of the clock down on the counter and then the watchmaker said, well, where's the rest of the clock? And she said, the the, the clock is perfectly fine. My clock is working just the way it ought to. Uh, uh, The the clock doesn't need fixing. The hands of my clock, I need you to fix them. And the watchmaker said, unless I have the rest of the clock, I can't fix the hands of the clock. And she began to yell, I knew you were just a dishonest, trying to get a, a lot of money from me. You're just like the rest of them. And so she took the hands of the clock and she stormed out of the store in search of a more reasonable watch repairman. I want you to know when it comes to fixing that which, which is broken, we're kind of like this woman, brothers. We can be, we we want, we want to fix the crown, we want to walk in royalty and accountability and responsibility and operating in capability. But what we've done, we want, we, we, we want to bring God the hands of our life. And God said, I don't just want the hands of your life. I just don't want you on a Sunday morning. I just don't want you on a Tuesday or half of a Wednesday. But you need to surrender your entire life to me. And if you come to me, If any man comes to Christ, he said, I will in no way turn you away. I will not cast you out. Don't just bring a part of your life. Don't come and trying to negotiate with God, trying to cut a deal. But come to God with a surrendered heart. So direct the man to the Lord. Share Jesus with them. Here's the second thing. Don't judge a man by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. Listen to verse 4 of uh, Psalm chapter 8. It says, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? And so what David is saying, you're the God of the universe. You, spoke, you just spoke a word and everything that wasn't is now. you created from nothing, something just by the word of your mouth. God, uh, all that I know and all that mankind combined knows doesn't even add up to the tip of an ink pen in comparison to your omniscience. And yet you care. <laughs> yet you care. And, and not only do you care, but Lord, you, 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 you. Intervene on my behalf, I'm on your mind. and It's almost like if God had a refrigerator with pictures on it of his family, your picture would be there. God, why do you care? When you, when you look at the, the outside of the cover, the scripture describes man's outward, the cover, what we, what we appear to be in the sight of God. We're nothing but dust. He formed us from dust. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 103, verse 14 through 16, that we are like grass, that the wind blows away and and it's gone. I don't care how prestigious you are. I don't care where you live and how much you have in the bank. We are but dust and we're like grass and God grows on the grass and it's here today and it's gone today. We're like vapor. James chapter four says, why do you even... Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? What does that book on the outside look like? He says, you are a mist, a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes. We're like vapor on the outside in terms of the temporalness of our life, the finiteness of our life. We are like vapor, we are dust, we're like grass. And Paul adds, he said, we are earthen vessels without any value apart from God. Isaiah reminds us, he said, all of our righteousness is the best that we can do is as filthy rags in God's sight. And so it would be very easy to look at a brother based on where he is based on the things that he has accomplished at any given point in his life, and conclude, yeah, you ain't nothing but vapor. Yeah, I know you dirt. I know you ain't nothing but grass. And I know that you ain't nothing but an a, a earthen vessel. You know what earthen vessels were for. They're potty Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That's what brothers are. But we don't want to be guilty of judging a book by its cover, because the Lord says in his word, I created man. I created man. I, I'm really blessed by the story of Gideon. You're talking about a dysfunctional brother. A scripture says when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he was threshing wheat in a wine press. How are you going to thresh wheat in a wine press? He was trying to make food with a, with a tool that you make wine with. Dysfunctional. He was working at night on a job that he should have been working during the day. And yet when the Lord called him, (laughs) Uh, First of all, the Lord knew him by name, and brothers, no matter where you have fallen and where you may be right now, I want you to know that God knows the crown is broke, and he knows your name, and most importantly, he knows where you are. And when he introduces himself to you to reveal his will to you, he will say to you what he said to Gideon, mighty man of valor, warrior. God didn't judge the book by its color. By, 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 its, by the cover, I'm so glad that men may look upon the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. In order to help a man fix his crown, you're going to have to look beyond where he is and see him for what he can become once you've directed him to the Lord. don't judge a man simply by outward appearance. I remember growing up in the hood, and uh, the way we didn't have no trampoline, what we would do is look for old mattresses. Oh, God, only, only God knew what happened on those mattresses. But we'd get a couple mattresses, put them in the backyard next to the wall, and then we would jump out of the second floor window, see how high we could bounce. That's what uh, my trampoline was. We would hide in all abandoned cars, in trunks, hide in refrigerators that were thrown away and not turned upside down. We'd climb inside, close the door. We didn't know what a dryer was for. We thought it was a place to play hide and seek. We literally took soda bottles and threw at each other to, to improve our agility skills breaking glass on the basketball court so now when we're playing basketball we got to dodge around the glass it did make me pretty good but i'm saying dysfunctional but for the grace of god he saw me he saw me in the wine press trying to make wheat. He saw me trying to use tools that were used to be slept on. He saw my dysfunction, but he looked beyond my fault. And he saw my need. He knew I had a broken crown. He knew that I needed him. And when somebody told me about the goodness of the Lord, I found myself returning to the place where he who made me could fix my crown. So we wanna direct men to the Lord to fix their crown. Don't judge a man by where he currently is or what he may have done and is trying to overcome. Deal with men based on God's order. Write that down, deal with men based on God's order. The Bible says he has made him a little lower than the angels. And what I want to concentrate on, I'm just going to give you four things. You can really stretch that out. A little lower than the angels. Of all the creation, man is God's crown jewel. I've made him a little lower than the angels. And the responsibility that God has given To men, based on the order of his design, is that he has created men to be providers. One of the first things that God did for Adam once he created him from the dust of the earth, he said, men, go to work. He placed them in the garden to tend to the garden. Work is not the result of the curse. The vocation responsibilities preceded the fall. And so man was given the responsibility of providing. God says if a man doesn't provide for his own family, he's worse than an infidel. And so the order of God is that a man is supposed to be a provider. It's something about a man who works. And if, he, if a man isn't working, and there are different ways that men can work. And uh, uh, sometimes you think, uh, I would be an unemployed brother if you're judging work by the skills that I can do with my hands. Oh, Lord, I'm left-handed on both sides. But God has created a man in his plan to be a provider. Men have been created to be protectors. He's not sending the wife downstairs, I heard a noise. Would you go see what that's about? Uh, I understand that there's a rapist in the community and and they haven't caught him yet, and if I go down and I uh, intercept him, I might get injured and can't go to work. so why don't you go down and take care of this and if you are struggling a little too hard, no problem I'll dial nine one one baby and so we're cool no, God has made the man to be a protector so well my wife my wife's the black belt, and uh, she can do She's in the military, she's a police officer, she don't need, yes, she does still need your protection. God said that in First in, in in Peter chapter 3 that he has created the woman to, as the weaker vessel. So there are different ways to protect the woman by providing security, by providing emotional support, by being that level-headed person in the midst of a crisis. By living with your wife according to understanding, you can protect her. God has created men to be the planner, the visionary, the one who gives direction. You ought to be the compass for your family. Before God gave Adam a wife, he said, this are, These are the rules that I want you to communicate when, you, when, I, when, I, when I reveal the next part of my will for you. Before I will bring a wife into your life, you're going to have some purpose and vision. And so God made Adam to be the visionary. And so a man is a provider, protector, planner. He's also the priest of his home. When he's wearing his crown, right, the Bible says, as Christ is the head of the church, so are husbands the spiritual covering for their home. And so a man is the priest of his home. And one of the most incredible statements that you can read and find in the Bible is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6. The Bible says, and be like Sarah. She called her husband Lord. Like when, I, when I read that, she called him what? She called Abraham, Abraham Lord. Yes, yeah, Bible. She called him master. Man of the house. Big daddy. Big baller. My man, my kid. Here he comes. Now, Adam, you may not be much of anything where you work at. People in the neighborhood may not even know your name. My family may not like you. They call you all kinds of names. But when you show up at my address, Abraham, you're my man. Oh, Abraham, big daddy's home. (laughs) Big baller's home. She called him. She called him Lord. I want you to know that Abraham. Every time she heard, he heard her call, and that that crown shined a little brighter. Now, who was Abraham? What? Why would she? Now, one of the things I know about Abraham was he had trouble telling the truth. Sometimes he he didn't have any problem lying if it would help his cause. Abraham was also the kind of man that would cave into his wife's pressure just to keep the peace at home even when it violated the word of God when Sarah said, would you go into my handmaid in Hagar? Abraham had already heard from God that the seed that was coming into his family was not going to come through an Egyptian handmaid, but to keep the peace. I almost said something else. But anyway, (laughs) he said, amen, I'll I'll, I'll sign up for that class. He just went along to get along. And so this was not a perfect man. He wasn't superior to Eve. When God says that a woman is a weaker vessel, that doesn't mean less than or, or somehow inferior to in essence, it simply means different in function. And, and so let, let me, let me, let's, 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 let's deal with why she called this brother Lord when he, he told her to lie and say, you my sister, they're going to get me if, if they, you fine. it. <laughs> they don't care about me, they'll see you and they want you. And so just say, if they ask you, <laughs> we can pray about it later. One of the things that caused her to call him Lord, I believe, she, the recognition of the call of God on Abraham's life. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, every man needs to underline this verse in your, in your Bible. This is God's design for the responsibility of a crown-wearing man. Listen to what the word of God says. For I have chosen you, or him, in this case Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the ways of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he promised. That's the responsibility of a man. That's the responsibility of a husband. Go back to that verse. I'm not going to go through the details of it, but your job is to produce a godly offspring that lives in obedience to the word of God. And God says, when you have done that as a man, Abraham, the promise that I made to you, this promise wasn't made to Sarah. It was made to Abraham. If you fulfill the vision that I've given to you, your family for generations will prosper. And so she recognized the call of God on his life. So she called him, Big Daddy. <laughs> she called him Lord. But here's another thing I believe that caused Sarah to call Abraham Lord. She respected him. Sarah understood something about men that many wives never get. A man, you can do a million and ten things for a man, and none of what you do will matter if he doesn't feel that you respect him. A man feels most love. He don't even have to feel that you love him. If you respect him, for him, that's love. A woman came to uh, her pastor... And she said, I don't know what else to do with this man. I'm trying to come under his authority. And I cook. I I I man, I try to be the best wife I can, but I find that he's just uh, seemingly uh, moving further away from me. He don't have any conversation for me, doesn't seem like he wanna be around me. And so he said, Look, I'm gonna give you an assignment. I want you to write all the things that you think a wife should do for a husband based on his expectations. And she came back with five pages double single single type of things that she thought a woman should do for a man. And she said, Pastor, it may seem like I'm bragging, but I'm not. I do these five pages. Single space, single, <laughs> and, 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 and small print. And then he said, well, let me take a moment and I'm gonna go through. He went through all, every single thing she said she did. and I man, she had perfect grammar, perfect diction, her sentences, and uh, all that agree. And then he broke, he put an X on all, all, all of the pages, a big old red X, and then he wrote on top of it in black, respect. The one thing she never included on all the things that she said she did was respect. And basically he said, I don't care what you do for that man if he doesn't feel respected. God said, I have crowned him with glory, that is Exceptional, transcendent ranking above all of creation that he might receive honor. That is, respect. A man needs to feel respected. You want to put a crown on a brother's head? Respect him. Oh, he doesn't earn it. If you respect his own. He the Bible says Adam earned anything, he just crowned him. And this was a gift from God. This is divine favor. This is by mercy. It ain't something that Adam worked for. This is something that God said, I'm bestowing upon you this, and I'm going to make this a part of who you are inherently a man. A man needs to be respected. Well, how do I do it? Ask him. You might be surprised. He would actually tell you. Why are you trying to make my marriage work? I'm doing the best I can. Respect your husband. Respect the men in your life. You, uh, I, I, see, I see mothers Uh, They had uh, children now. They're no longer children. 21, 31, and you're talking to a grown man like he's some five-year-old kid. Disrespect. The way you act around the man, the way you talk to him or just choose to ignore him, the way you even, you prepared the food, but you dropped the plate on the table. And you say, I don't know if it's warm. If it ain't, you know how to use the microwave. Oh, he could. But one of the things that makes him feel respected is how you set that food in front of him. How you, it just tastes better when you do it. She decided to call him Lord. She recognized the call of God on his life. And she knew that men above everything else all the hell that black men are going through. It's this is hunting season for black men. I want you to understand, whenever an enemy came into a city to destroy the entire population, they didn't start with the men. They didn't start with the women or the, or the children. They always went for the men. And That's exactly what's happening today. Our prisons are filled with black men. Unemployment lines are filled with black men in particular, the ones that have jobs. And the ones that want to be husbands in their homes, women are discouraged from even having the man in the home because if he's in the home, then your welfare benefit will be reduced. And so you're paid to keep the man away. Men need to be respected. Respected. Don't judge a book by its cover. Deal with a man according to God's divine order. And here's the final thing. Decide to help a man fix his crown today. Decide to do it today. Start while they are young. Oh, I like what uh, uh, Pastor uh, Paul says to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned And become convinced of because you have known these things as an infant. And you have been taught the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith. You need to be teaching your young sons the word of God right now. not only do they make you wise unto salvation, but they give you spiritual discernment to determine what the best decisions are. Decide. Start while they're young. Start while they're young. Speak the truth in love with men or to your, the men in your life. I remember I gave an assignment to the ladies at my church, and uh, I'd done this with the, with the women on Mother's Day. I said, write, write, write something that uh, makes your mother really special to you. And just about every woman in the church, I had, to own, I had to choose five from the many. And then when it was time to write what your father has meant in your life, I only got one response. And I, I scratched my head and I tried to figure it out. And then what I, what I came to realize, that opened up a whole can of worms. There were so many hurt women and angry women who had not gotten over the absence of their fathers, the abuse of their father, the, 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 the lack of commitment to the relationship of their fathers. And so when they speak of men, they, they don't speak out of a healthy relationship. They speak out of anger. They speak out of hurt. We're men who have made promises but broken them. But I hear the word of God saying, You don't want to tell men lies, but speak the truth. But there's a way to speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. The Bible said, Do not let any unwholesome communication come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. For building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If you don't have anything that is loving to say, just be quiet. Be silent. Don't sit in the room and allow other women or others to trash the men in your life. Don't you be a part of it. Don't have secret alliances with your children against their father. Secrets about things in the family that only you and the child knows. The only permanent human relationship that God ever ordained on this earth, aside from the church, we're going, that, that fact, in fact, it's not the only eternal relationship, it's the relationship I have between um, uh, other Christians, we're going to go to heaven together, but a husband and a wife, when those children leave, God says, cling to your own wife until death does you part. That's the only earthly relationship. And unfortunately, we're guilty of the sin of putting our children above our mate. And that helps to keep the crown of the man broken. That helps to contribute to a broken marriage. It helps to contribute to a generation of young men who have not seen a healthy marriage. And so when they get married to someone, they don't know how to wear their crown. Stop judging men based on your past negative experiences. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And here's what God says. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Stop judging all men based on past negative experiences. I got two more. Stand up for men privately on your knees in prayer. And then publicly speak out. Don't be ashamed. I love my husband. I got a good husband. My husband is a big baller. My husband is my lord. My husband is my king. I got a crown for my brother. Don't be ashamed to speak out in public or to stand up for the men in your life by praying for them and talking, speaking favorably of them and doing it frequently. I want you to understand you can fuss at a man for a year to fix something in the home and it'll never get fixed. And the Bible talks about win your husband without a word. Have you encouraged that man? That brother be singing Marvin Gaye's song. Ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough, baby. If you need me, call me We'll wherever. You know what he'll do? A brother will believe he can climb Mount Everest for you, can swim across the, the Atlantic Ocean for you if you encourage him. Oh, I believe in you, honey. I know you can do it. I've already received it in the spirit. I'm just going to pray for you as you're trying it. I hope you don't die now, but he'll believe it and try it. Here's the final thing. Study what men, study men to learn what men are really like. Don't base your view on men based on what other women say to you about men. So how do you do that? Well, I'm sure you have some crown-wearing brothers in your life. And if you want to know what men are like, ask them. Ask someone who doesn't have an ulterior motive. Who can tell you this is the way men are. Don't act like a man, but think like a woman. Oh, maybe you should. <laughs> anyway, we want to base it on the word of God. Somebody say amen. Help a brother fix his crown. Direct him to the Lord. Don't judge him a book by its cover. Deal with a man based on God's divine order. Decide to help a man fix his crown today. A man was moaning as he laid backwards on top of several seats in a movie theater. And the longer he laid there, the louder he got. And some of the patrons who paid their money to get into the movie, <clears throat> they became upset, and they wanted to know, why is this man interrupting what we paid to see? And so they called the usher, and the usher came, and he, he, he tapped the man on the shoulder, and he said, you're going to have to be quiet, or else we're going to have to bounce you out of this place. We're going to have to put you out. And the man just kept moaning, and, and groaning, and and he wouldn't and the more the uh, the, the, the usher talked with the louder he got. And so the usher said, Oh brother, you, you we're gonna have to put you out. So he went and he got three other t- he got three other of his co-workers. And they came and they were prepared to, to physically remove the man from the movie theater. And as they reached down to accost the brother they could hear him saying, I fell from the balcony. I fell from the balcony. And then when they realized that he wasn't just trying to be rude and and disruptive, and and, and trying to be difficult but instead he was injured instead he found himself in a place that he didn't want to be somebody had dropped him and because they recognized that the men needed help their their thought process changed and instead of throwing the men out of the movie they decided to intervene and help the brother who was hurt, help the brother who felt pain, help the brother who was broken instead of stomping on his crown, instead of criticizing about being turned over backwards in the movie theater. They set him up straight and they begin to speak words of encouragement to him. They begin to lift him up and, and give him what he needed in order for him to experience what a movie theater is supposed to be all about. When you help a man fix his broken crown, I want you to know he's going to walk a little straighter. He's going to talk a little more sensible. He's going to walk with his shoulders square, and he's going to be all that God has put him on this planet to be. Will you help me? Will you help me help a man fix his crown? Let's pray.